Hey friends, it's Jenny Guy, your on-air host. Here's hoping the weather outside is not frightful wherever you are, as it definitely was when we recorded this episode of Teal Talk Live in December of 2019. Not to worry, though, as we felt just fine inside with the delightful fires of Q4 RPMs keeping us blazing hot. My guests for this episode were Mediavine co-founder and chief brand officer Amber Bracegirdle and our VP of ad ops, Brad Hagman. And we were talking about ways to get ready for the inevitable ad revenue drop-off in January, which always follows that holiday season spending bonanza. Brad and Amber have both been around Mediavine for a long time, and they are great at turning complex ad tech into normal people words. For more about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of your ad earnings, check out the series Behind the Numbers with Brad. It's linked in the show notes and available for free on the Mediavine blog. Without any further ado, here's the episode. You're listening to Mediavine On Air, the podcast about the business of content creation. From SEO to ads and social media to time management, if it's about helping content creators build sustainable businesses, we are talking about it here. I'm your on-air host, Mediavine's Jenny Guy. I am your host, Jenny Guy. I'm Mediavine's Director of Marketing, and we are excited for a very fun show today. I have two incredible guests from the Mediavine staff here to talk about maybe not our our most fun topic, but one that is necessary and that we can uh, do everything possible in our power to protect against and mitigate the damage. So right now we're in the midst of Q4. It's the happiest time of the year. We're making all the money, all the dollars, all the advertisers are spending. And then we go to January 1st and (laughs) it feels like we take a leap off a cliff. So I brought a couple of experts in here to help us get prepared for that, to winterize ourselves from the scariness that is Q1 first. Uh, we have me- our Mediavine co-founder. It is Amber Bracegirdle. She is the uh, managing editor of Food Fanatic, and she is here with us. Hello. Thank you so much. Good to be here, guys. We have Brad Hagman, Brad from the internet, Brad, our vice president of ad operations. Brad, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Brad, so you're something, we're going to start here. You are basically Mediavine royalty. If you could tell us what does the vice president of ad ops do? What kind of your trajectory was at Mediavine? Because you your job has been a little fluid over since right. we've full service ad managers. Royalty. Wow. That's yeah. A yeah. I mean, so honestly, the answer is like most days I don't even know. Um, it's, it's sort of a joke, but not really. But, you know, with the speed of change in this industry, I don't really know what my next week or my next month is going to look like. Really, my main focus here is our ad exchange partner relationships. So you know, at any given time, we're connected to 10 to 15 uh, separate ad exchange companies and each one has their own unique setup. When any new indus- industry initiatives like, you know, sellers.json rolled out in October or CCPA, um, they not only affect Mediavine, but they affect every partner that we work with. So my job is sort of to make sure that the necessary communication and connections are in place to make sure that any changes like that that roll down, you know, those those pipes stay open between our ad exchange partners and ultimately our publishers. And then, like you said, I've worked here forever. When you mm-hmm. come aboard, you know, very early in what is a true startup company, you just sort of fill whatever gaps are necessary. So, you know, as a result, I've worked in publisher support. Um, ad ops, obviously, um, marketing Launching. at conferences and events, dabbled in sales, uh, launched a ton of sites. So as a, as a result, you know, I know a little bit about a lot of 
things here. So I try to be a resource to everyone when I can. I've heard the rumor that you onboarded, like, was it the first 1,000? How many of the first sites did you? I don't know. I lost count. I think it was. It was at it least was the first. That. It was it was like 2,500 or something. But who's counting? Okay. I don't know. It's not. I mean, you, you weren't and you weren't we have, feeling just... we have a launch team that does a much better job now so oh brad brad of all trades that's right stephanie okay amber <laughs> you tell us a little bit about what it means to be a co-founder of mediavine and and what your day-to-day -day look like although as from working with you more closely i know that it also changes day-to-day -day as well right as brad described his day-to-day -day, i was like oh Take the words right out of my <laughs> mouth, man. What's really funny is Brad and I um, have been like working together in the early days of Mediavine. Like we both just handled the support stuff and the launching together out of a Gmail inbox. Remember those days, Brad? Me I yelling do. at you for double spacing. <laughs> I do. I'd, I will never do it again. Yeah, I got the like, same thing, by the way, when I started. I was like, we're an internet company. Don't do that. Yeah. So day to day is is really crazy. You know, it's everything from dealing with potential like marketing issues or what events we're planning. Also was dealing with a potential situation with someone who needed their ads turned off for a specific reason, you know, and things like that. So it really comes down to what's needed from me on a daily basis. Um, getting to our topic at hand, we're basically overall talking about today is Q1 and how that is impacting us and how we can potentially winterize or prepare our sites to not have that hit us so hard and brutally after Q4 is mm -hmm. over. So Brad, one of the greatest hit blog posts that we share and reference all the time is your ad revenue by the seasons. If you'll give us the TLDR version here, that would be most appreciated. Yeah, sure. Yeah. When I wrote that, it was really to, to better understand the trend myself. So I've been in the industry like 10 to 15 years, which is ridiculous to think about. And I know that the trend is universal across the industry, but I wanted some actual Mediavine data to put behind it. So yeah, really the, the too long didn't read version is that, you know, there's quarters like Q4 where there's perfect storm of things happening that lead to, to great earnings. And then there's things that happen after that, that, you know, we're, we're coming upon very soon that cause RPMs to go down. So um, you know, the first part of it is surrounding of the perfect storm is surrounding consumer habit. You know, I can bet the both of you and probably every single person watching this in some shape or form has been preparing for the holidays mm -hmm. by doing what shopping, whether it be food or, or gifts, exactly, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So because of this increased spending, we have a massive pool of advertisers out there willing to pay really good money to get in front of the perfect audience. We have, having a huge pool of advertisers with, with deep pockets leads to um, a lot of a high pressure in the in the auctions that we're running um, on your ads. And then the second part of it is just around budgets. Companies are, are setting their budgets earlier in the year. And mm -hmm. December is a time of the year where those budgets have to be spent. You know, they need to be used before the end of the year, which means they're willing to spend a little bit more to get rid of those budgets. All of this leads to the kind of earnings in RPMs, our publishers, and we love during this time of year. But sadly, it's It'll come to it's, an end. It's coming to an end shortly. We're, we've talked about why it's so awesome. Now, what happens <clears throat> on on January one? What I mean, what goes in the in the crapper? So <laughs> I'll answer it just because I've been doing this a long time. So the thing is, is that the companies that are behind the digital ad spend are still brick and mortar old style companies. So they operate to think of it like a magazine calendar year, right? They operate to that where they're closing out their budgets for the year. And then in January, everything resets 
and they are trying to figure out how much money they want to spend each month, each quarter, knowing that the big events where consumer habits are going to have people spending more money and needing awareness of, of certain products and things like that will be at the end of the year. When January comes, they are very, very conservative about how much money they put in the market and how much they spend on an, in, an individual ad for example, whereas Q4, they're, you know, not only do they have whatever surplus they had left over from each quarter of the year, they know that if they don't spend that money, there's the possibility that the company that they work for will decide, oh, we didn't need that much money. So we're going to lower your budget. And nobody ever wants that, right? Nobody ever wants their department to lose budget. They just dump it all into the market Q4 and then Q1, it all starts over. Basically, in, much like what happens to all consumers who spent mm -hmm. a crap ton of money in mm -hmm. on Christmas, Hanukkah, yeah. whatever it is, they are then like, I can't spend any dollars in January. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm going to now drink ice water and, and peanut butter sandwiches. Ramen yep. for exactly. the entire well, okay. So that happens. Does it happen to and this and this Brad come back in for this one? Does this happen to every niche regardless of what they're focused on in the lifestyle spectrum? Yeah, I mean, you're going to see a, a really similar percentage drop ac across all niches and uh, it's I know it's super unfair to like those health and fitness bloggers who'd love to capitalize on New Year's resolution or healthy cooking mm -hmm. bloggers, but it's just it's sadly unavoidable. It's it's just that advertiser spend is tied directly to consumer habits and budgets and not to, you know, the specific content on somebody's site. And this is going a little bit off script, but we were talking about this earlier in terms of those niches. What impact does a niche have on earnings overall? Because we, we, we were all the three of us were talking about this mm -hmm. earlier and how that impacts because I've heard a lot of people say things like at a conference, someone will come up to me and say, uh, why do food bloggers make so much more? Why are their RPMs mm -hmm. so much higher? Is that something that just is? intrinsically the truth or are there other factors at play? Absolutely not. I think there's a ton of other factors at play. I don't think you could point at any one niche and say it, it earns better than any other one. I think, you know, as long as your content is there and it's good, clean, brand safe content and you have an, an audience coming from great sources like uh, Google and, and social channels, the opportunity is there if you put in the work and, right. and aim towards proper media buying goals to earn just as well as any other site out there. Right. I, I mean, I would say that it's more about the way that your content is formatted and how your audience is consuming it. So for example, food bloggers might have step-by-step -step photos that make their posts longer, and they obviously will have a recipe card that presents additional opportunities to advertise. For example, DIY and craft might have step-by-step -step photos, but if they aren't using create with a how-to card, um, which is a fairly recent development, right? We've had right. DIY blogs for, for decades, but the how-to cards is brand new with create that was released in October. Um, that's like a, a really big opportunity for advertising on your site that you haven't had before. But the other thing is that you then have to teach your audience to look for that. So like food bloggers have advantage of their audiences have been trained to scroll to the bottom of their posts to find a recipe card, which is what they're there for. All We always say all roads lead to the recipe card, right? So with Create, like the thing is now you can add those things no matter which niche you're in, you have the opportunity to add something like that. But then you've also got to train your audience for it. So like for me, I would suggest a DIY blogger add those things, but then also add a call to action at the top of their post. If you'd like a printable instruction list and materials list of this 
craft, scroll all the way down, you'll find it type thing. And so for me, I think it's really about training your audience to uh, interact with your content in a similar manner, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, having that and, and let's post a little bit of create love in our comments showing about creative uses for create, which was by one of our engineers that um, had some great ideas in there. We've had people do incredible things with create and share us, tag us in those posts. We love that. So when you guys are using create and you found a cool way to use it, that's monetizing and your audience is responding to it, please tag us. We love those posts and we right. love to share those posts. And I will point out that part of the reason that create is not just a recipe card plugin is because of our DIY bloggers. Like that is one of mm -hmm. the main reasons that we pivoted that plugin a little bit to include more types of schema. We had DIY uh, customers that were using recipe cards to offer this opportunity for advertising and also for user experience for their their readers to have a printable but the problem is is that if you're using recipe card it's marking all that stuff up as food and edible food mm -hmm. and that can result in a manual action by google because you're telling you're telling their search engine that things like popsicle sticks are edible and that's yeah. not that's not okay so that's why we pivoted that and wanted to provide them with something that they clearly need and no one else was offering. Getting a little bit off of that, Brad, you mentioned something that I am curious about and I'm always, this is a huge like hop button topic that I've heard people talk about. You said brand safety. Mm -hmm. And I know that that, word, that term is big and can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it definitely has impact on earnings for our publishers. Right. Can you talk about what brand safe co uh, content is and how people can maybe adapt their content to become more brand safe? Sure, I mean, I, for the most part, I think all of our publishers are very good about writing brand safe content. It's uh, brand safe content is just writing content that would be considered, you know, PG. If if your kid was looking over your shoulder while you were reading it, it it would be okay for them to read, you know. And this is exactly what our advertisers are looking for. It can sometimes be a little bit of a tricky thing, and I'll tell one of my favorite stories on brand safety right after this. But you're sometimes use words in your post that are going to be picked up by advertisers and um, they're not going to want to place their ad against it. Even if it's used in a completely safe context, um, they're still not going to be want, want to be, want to be next to it. Their systems are going to detect it and avoid bidding on inventory on that page. And my favorite story on this one, I tell it all the time. Someone was writing completely, it was really great relationship, relationship. advice. Exactly. And they were talking about, um, <laughs> having sex with or increasing your sex life with your partner. And, um, and instead of um, using the word sex, we changed that all of the words in that post to make love. And they saw huge, huge increases in their RPM because it was one of their top posts. And we took a post that was not brand safe and made it brand safe. Has that been a thing to where like, what about words like chicken breast? If they're saying breast, is that yeah. a thing? That's, I don't know, Amber, what do you think about that one? Um, this is a question for Phil, maybe. Um, I think... Um, I would hope that they have the ability for context, especially given yeah. how long recipe and food bloggers have been around. But I know that even at our conference, like Rubicon was saying things like, if you, you, you know how the word murder has become a bit more like facetious, like I'm going to murder that rest that I murdered that recipe or I killed it or whatever. Like she was saying during uh, their talk at our conference that there absolutely are 
times where you probably shouldn't use that slang that, you know, if you're not getting an RPM you want and you have slang like that on your blog, maybe change it and see what happens. Um, And it's not that they're trying to censor you. It's just that, you know, these brands need their ads to be next to content that they trust. And so they have to have some fail safes for that, right? They have to have some detection and they're not going to get it perfect. The internet still doesn't get it perfect, right? Even Google doesn't get this perfect, the contextual stuff perfectly. And so it's just one of those things to play around with. If you've got a top post that mentions murder or sex or killing or whatever, like maybe consider changing those words and see what happens. Maybe don't say I'm going to murder those nachos when you're really hungry for those nachos. Yeah. yeah, That kind of thing. Yeah. I made, I made this dish for my family and and it killed or something like that. You know, just just be mindful of the slang that you're using inside of your bowl. Let's just, this dish killed at my (laughs) reading. Literally killed someone over. So, so with Q1 coming and it's not just, it's not just spending on the brand side. It's also traffic, right? We have a lot, a lot of our lifestyle niches are seeing a pretty big drop in traffic as well after, after the Q4 holidays. Correct, Brad? They probably will. Yeah. I mean, people are done printing their recipes. People are done, you know, researching all the the gifts. So there could be a downturn in traffic, but I think one of the goals that you have to aim for is, you know, shifting your focus and, and making sure that that downturn in traffic doesn't happen. I think people aren't done staring at their smartphones um, after the holidays. There's still people, you know, same internet audiences out there. It's just, how are you going to get in front of that audience now? Now that Q4 is over and holiday recipes or holiday travel is over, you know, where can you shift your focus to grab that audience? Amber, do you have an answer (laughs) for the question that I just asked about traffic after Q4? Do we see a drop there? Uh, I mean, we do like depend. Well, it depends on your niche, right? So Mm -hmm. we'll have bloggers, uh, pinch of nom comes to mind. Uh, Sorry, fitness comes to mind. Like we, we definitely have bloggers who will see suddenly they'll see their surge of traffic in Q1 because their focus is is on the things that people are caring about in Q1. If you've got a blog entirely devoted to Peloton, I think you're going to see. I mean, yay, yay! I think you're going to see a big uh, influx. But unfortunately, I think these these fitness companies weirdly are still operating their budgets to the rest of the advertising world's whims. So I also will correct myself. Uh, Eric says that um, he would not assume that most advertiser keyword detection uses context. So Mm -hmm. perhaps if you talk a lot about chicken breast, change it to chicken cutlets or something similar. In the UK, they say goujons. I don't... (laughs) So maybe, yeah, maybe change that stuff. See if you get an increase in, in RPM. I mean, I'm up for anything that'll, that'll help you earn more money. So if something as simple as finding and changing the word breast throughout your, your blog results in that, then let's do it. Yeah, might mm-hmm. as well. Uh, okay. So we've kind of started to delve into this a little bit with, with Brad's response about refocusing, changing your focus. So what do we do moving into Q1. What are the things that we need to shift that focus to and try to pivot from all the things that are happening in Q4? Let's start with Brad. Yeah, I mean, I think now's the time to to start looking ahead in 2020. I, I think, you know, use this time when it's when revenue is down to look back at 2019. What worked in 2019? Mm-hmm. And what can we improve upon for 2020? You know, I think as soon as Christmas decorations start coming down, uh, Valentine's Day and Easter decorations go up in all the stores. Mm-hmm. So 
it's time to shift your focus towards maybe more content geared toward that. Um, I'm, sorry, I'm, that at, I'm laughing at Chef Dennis. I know. <laughs> hey, Gotta get better at not reacting to the comments. Brad, yes. So, <laughs> so, so immediately start looking at yeah. the next big seasonal curve that's coming, the next big popular content that you need to optimize. To be Absolutely. honest. Yeah. And to be honest with you, so the thing about the holidays is a lot of bloggers work ahead, right? Because they want the content available before people are looking for it. Um, and so for me, like I'm seeing posts left and right from, from bloggers that are in my friends list that are saying, I'm so sick of the holidays. I don't want to, I don't want to see another thing about a Turkey or a Christmas tree or whatever. And so I would actually say, even though Q1 is a big downturn, there's still money to be made there. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the thing to do right now, since you're now coasting, like there's not a lot of point of creating new content before the end of the year that is specific to like Christmas or whatever the case may be. Use some of this time to look in your analytics for what was popular last Q1 and make sure it's optimized. Use the RPM challenge or just go through it yourself and make sure you're happy with all of it and that it has as much, as much, you know, good content as you want. <laughs> We're really bad at reacting to the comments. Oh, you brought it up, Jenny. I said chick. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'll say all the words. Uh, Chef Dennis suggested uh, we should call it chicken boobies, which I don't know that that's going to make it any more advertiser safe. I don't know that uh, brands are so. like, oh, boobies. I, so uh, I would I'd probably avoid that word. Yeah. Um, Lynn Hill. Also, do you want to eat chicken boobies? I don't. That doesn't sound no. appealing. Lynn Hill said perhaps call it chicken white meat. I think that's a, an go. excellent suggestion. Elizabeth Barbone said ch chicken tatas. So now that we've really <laughs> maxed out on our synonyms for breast, thank you, yeah. audience. Refocusing, doing that RPM challenge on what we know is going to mm -hmm. historically perform well in Q1. What else? What if we let's quickly do a, a rundown of what the RPM challenges mm -hmm. ask when we say optimize content that we know is going to perform well in Q1? What precisely are we talking about, Amber? So I'm saying go into your analytics and, you know, look and see what your top 10 posts were last January, last February, last March by focusing in on those specific dates in Google Analytics. So you make your list and then you go and you actually look at those posts make sure that you have paragraphs that are, that are only one to two sentences long. Make sure that it's hard returns between each paragraph. If it's not, your paragraph tags will not separate them. And so there's still, it doesn't improve your, your ad performance because there's still not a spot for us to insert our ad code wise. So make sure that there are hard returns between your paragraphs. Make sure that you have lots of good photos. You know, if you have the ability to add more photos, that's never a bad idea. So long as they're well optimized and they, they make sense to the post. Can you create a video? You know, can you create a video using Animoto? Can you create a video using your own stuff that you have? Um, I think that's exceptionally helpful um, and can add, you know, tons of schema to your post that helps, you know, it'll show your video in, in rich snippets. So that's great. Are there ways? What is a hard return? So Dennis, you have the ability on your keyboard to either do a soft return, which is when you hold down the shift key and hit return, or a hard return is just hitting the return key. So there, the reason that people get into the habit of doing soft returns is things like Facebook sometimes will submit your comment or your post uh, before you're ready. 
if you hit the hard return, if you just hit enter. So you you get into the habit of hitting shift enter to get to, to create a new line so that you don't get cut off or post your comments or your post before you mean to. Um, and then people get into the habit in, of that in WordPress because it respects the same thing. And so it's basically like making a line break without making a new paragraph tag code-wise. Also make sure that you're doing hard returns after images because again, that's another thing that people will accidentally shift enter after. What will a hard return look like in the HTML code? A new paragraph tag. So the, the line before it will have a closed paragraph tag, which is the brackets slash P. And then the next line will have an open paragraph tag, which is the brackets with the P. We've got kind of an overview of what the RPM challenge means, but I wanted to, no, that's not what I wanted to ask you. What I wanted to ask you was about video. I was going back to my questions and I got this, I started thinking about chicken boobies and I started, I got a little distracted. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole, but I wanted to ask, what have you seen? Cause you get into the analytics, you see what the mm -hmm. what happens with RPM. And I wanted to hear from Brad from the internet, what video does mean to RPMs and earnings of our publishers. I think video is probably the number one way that you could help stem some of that drop and in, in January. I pulled some stats prior to this just because I'm a data nerd and I want to have the stats in front of me. So coming um, into January, we're going to see, you know, January RPMs on average are going to be, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50% lower than December. So we're going to see a, a massive drop. Um, and that's what it was. That was what it was last year. There's no way of knowing what it's going to be like this year, but it's going to be something similar. But we also see that when you add a video to your site or a couple videos to your site, your RPM increases by 15 to 20%. Right there, you can take a huge chunk of that RPM that you're losing and gain it back by um, adding some videos onto your site. And um, I will say, like, you have to be running the video in all the ways that we offer. Right, exactly. Yeah, it can't just be embedded in a single post. Um, it has to be inserted in, into all posts uh, via the video settings in your dashboard. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a that's a great way to to get take a chunk out of that RPM that you're losing and gain it back. And mm -hmm. if you're only running one video, make another video so that you can take advantage of our playlist setting. Um, with that setting, you know, you, you will run an ad before your first video, your video will run. And then between your first and second video, uh, another ad will run and we'll have an opportunity to run another ad. Um, if you have a really great engaged audience, it's another way to get really high CPM paying ad mm -hmm. um, in front of your user. And the thing is, video can add great user experience too. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're offering, you know, a way for them to consume how you're telling them to make your craft or how you know, showing pictures of the places that you visited in Bali, like that is helpful to your audience. And that's that's what I think all advertisers are looking for is video that people can actually engage with mm -hmm. and want to watch whatever format that takes, whether it's, you know, using the photos you have or recording a live video of yourself, those count in terms of like what you're creating in video, you have to put yourself in your reader's shoes and make something that helps them and engages them. So long as you're doing that, you're good. And it's not just what, the readers are liking or the viewers are liking it's not just what the advertisers are liking it's also what google is liking it's mm -hmm. what the search engines are liking you're going to yeah. help yourself with seo and perform better in those search engine results by including video i mean that's yes. that's what they're yeah. saying mm -hmm. yeah so standing back and waiting for video to be 
more than it is now. I don't, I mean, it, it probably will. It probably will continue to grow in importance, but yeah. there really is no, we, it's conclusive. There's no yeah. doubts that maybe this is. Now that we lazy load the video player and stuff, there's really no downside to adding video to your site. Like it, it won't slow your site down very much. It's not going to be obnoxious to your reader because it, it auto plays with muted. Like it's not going to destroy your user experience the way that um, maybe it used to with different, um, with the old rules before, like there was research into what actually is best user experience, right? The rules used to be that they had to autoplay with sound and then it, it was realized that that's actually really not a great user experience. And so the rules changed. So I really think that there, there's not a downside to, to running video these days. If you can create it, create it, please. Michelle Palin said, tip, do a top 10 posts or top 10 new recipes of 2019 blog posts with a simple 35 to 50 second video that goes with it. Very helpful in January, especially. She said, I made $3,000 just on that slideshow this year, and it took her less than an hour in Animoto to create the slideshow. That's amazing. There you go. Great job. Fantastic. That's awesome. Michelle. So 35 to 50 seconds, is that an ideal time? Talk to me a little bit about why we need what times we need with video. Brad, will you start on that? Yeah, it's an ad policy thing. So we most most video ads that run are you know somewhere around 30 seconds long. An ad policy requires that the video be longer than the ad that runs before it. You know, it's it makes sense. It's great user experience. So the minimum that we want to create is at least 30 seconds, but I, I think you know, aim for that 45 second to a minimum minute minimum. And you know, if it's, if it's really good content, don't rush through it just to try to get to that one minute. Don't worry about going over. That's, that's not yeah. going to harm you at all. You just really have to focus on, you know, getting at least to that 40, 45 second mark so that you stay within the limits of ad policy and don't get dinged as far as that goes, because nobody wants to be dinged by ad policy. Um, it's it's a hard thing to work through. And that's certainly going to affect your earnings if if that were to happen. Ad policy, you keep talking about getting dinged <laughs> by ad policy, which kind of sounds festive. Like I was dinged by ad policy. <laughs> it's it's not, 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 so it's can not. you explain what it is? What would cause us to be dinged? Yeah, so Google sets forth um, what they call ad policy, which is the policy that they want their ads basically not serve next to or serve next to it, depending on how you want to look at it. Things like um, the video thing that we just talked about, or having like guts and gore on your page, talking about firearms or other weapons are not things that they want their advertisers serve next to. So they put forth what they call ad policy, and they just simply won't serve ads on pages that have words and content like that. And then if, if you have enough content on your site like that, and uh, you're breaking uh, ad policy on the majority of your pages, there's a uh, potential for Google to just say, we're not working with this site at all, and we're just going to shut it down completely. And at that point, it's very hard uh, to get off that blacklist. Um, it is possible, depending on the policy, but it's incredibly difficult, and it takes weeks or months. And um, during those times, you know, you're not going to have Google running on your page, which is, you know, for most publishers... 50 to 60% of, of the ads being bought on your site are bought by Google. Right. You want to talk about an RPM killer, that is something that would do it. And it's <laughs> your RPM is going to be down in Q1 anyway. So you don't want a policy violation on top of that to, yeah. to bring it down even more. And I wanted to circle back real quick just to one thing with regards to video uh -huh. and what Michelle said is that you need to make sure that you create a post. If you're making like a top 10 video, like she described, 
she also made a post, right? That helps with um, context for which video ad buyers are going to buy into that. And we actually require that you have uh, a URL that goes to the video so that we have uh, context, um, both for ad buying, but it also helps SEO for that video. So you would just keep in mind that you want to be creating these things with the mindset that you're also creating a post that goes with it, like a meaningful post that goes with it. That's good content. So we had a question from Lynn April. She was asking about, I believe what she's asking about, she said, is it, she's asking about a logo. This is an app. Yes. It's the, is the uh, icon turquoise with like a fan image. So Lynn, we're talking about Animoto. That's what Michelle is mentioning. Mm -hmm. And it's a company that it's an app. It's a program that helps you to create video using existing content that you already have pictures, images paired with music, text overlays that you can easily do and create it to get video on your site quickly. We did do a live with them. We did have a coupon code uh, and I believe it's still active if you wanna try that out. So we can share that live link with you so you can watch it and get that code. Okay, Sylvia Martinez says, January is another month with high traffic for me since Mexican families celebrate Christmas season all the way to February 2nd. Girl, I'm in. That is amazing. <laughs> so I'm optimizing and adding video already to these posts, hoping that helps. I use iMovie for my videos, super easy. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great idea. So, and that's, that's honestly, that is such a perfect example of knowing your mm -hmm. audience and knowing how they're going to interact and how they're going to come at you. And it's, it's one of those things I say it all the time when I'm talking to people about this is make sure you're zooming out on how your traffic does, right? Because you think you know what's happening because you're zooming in day to day. But if you zoom out, you might get a completely different perspective. You might think that your your traffic drops off a cliff January 1. And the truth is it doesn't stop until January 15th because one of your top posts is about something to do with champagne, right? And people are still mm -hmm. doing New Year's stuff. That is a perfect example of knowing exactly how your audience is going to behave for you. How would you zoom out? What do you mean by so, zoom out? Uh, by zoom out, I mean like look at the entire year of traffic in Google Analytics to see like what your patterns are. And then you can zoom in a little bit more, like look at your quarter and then look at your month. You know, you can even look week by week if you want to get that granular, but usually like looking month by month is, is enough for you to know what you need to optimize. And year over year, right? If you've been doing yeah. this for a long time, you're wanting to do year. And that's the same way here, uh, your earnings. And we'll talk about that in a minute. We just had a question from Ellen Folkman. She said, how do you feel about Lumen 5 for videos? Yeah, I think it's fine. I've, I have an account. Um, one thing I don't think is a good idea is I know Lumen five will automatically like pull in the images from your post and make a video for you. I don't think those are valuable. I think that you really need some context and some, some good content to your video rather than just it being a slideshow of, of images we've never really encouraged just that slideshow aspect. So whatever they're automatically making for you, kind of ignore that and mm -hmm. think about what's going to be useful to your your reader and create something there. Yeah, I agree. As long as you're making you know content and not, not allowing a program to make it for you, I don't think having a program make it for you would be considered original content whatsoever. Yeah. Um, as long as you're putting your hands on that program and, and making that content, putting images in and maybe some music behind it and some text that is relevant to everything and tying it all together, I think that's a much better user experience and, and really what you should be aiming for no matter what program you use. 
So I'm going to pivot a little bit away from video and ask about, we were talking about the RPM challenge. We we're talking about preparing with content and that's all about optimizing existing content. Mm -hmm. What about creating new content and how do those things play together in a strategy, which is more important, especially heading into what we know is going to be a low spend time like Q1. Yeah. Is it more important to create old content or create new content? How would you, how would you create <laughs> new content versus updating and optimizing old content? I personally say I would start with content you know is getting traffic. That's guaranteed that it's going to get some amount of traffic. Even if it's less than last year, it's still going to get traffic. And so I would start with the optimization. It shouldn't take you too long unless like you really need to overhaul overhaul a post entirely. I would say you know it shouldn't take you more than a day or two at, at most to do five or 10. And then I would look at creating new content and I would look at creating new content using like the content that you have, what's doing well, what is ranking like a little bit lower on page one and how can you support that to push it up? Right. So I would focus on creating content that can help the content you already have rank higher rather than just wiping the slate clean and trying to go after a new keyword immediately, like build up to that. Fantastic. Brad, did you have anything to add to that one? I don't. I'm going to defer to the SEO expert on that one. I have many. I have many things, but I am not an SEO. Uh, uh, I would my, yeah, I would classify myself as an expert. That I'll leave that to to Eric and Matt and Steve. But oh, I, they taught me well. So, so here's a question, Brad. How do ads make money for publishers? How does that work? <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, you're gonna have to get the acronym sheet out. I think in order Yay! to get to this one. Right? Oh, I was hoping that would happen. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, you just, you get paid a little bit of money every time an ad is being seen. And, and when I say a little bit, it's, it's typically like fractions of a penny, which is why we price our ads based on CPM. There's an acronym for you or a uh, cost, cost per thousand. Um, just simply because it's easier to price something on, you know, a $3 CPM versus saying you're pricing it on whatever three thousandths of a penny um, yeah. per ad view or whatever. And then the whole process is it's used pretty much industry wide. Now it's called, you know, header bidding or real time bidding. And it's just basically a massive auction that's taking place behind the scenes um, between, you know, thousands and thousands of advertisers um, for every single ad unit on your page. And um, it all happens, you know, in milliseconds. It's crazy. So, um, you know, as your ad management company, we're doing everything to make those, you know, make them pay the highest CPMs possible, you know, um, optimizing for viewability and um, giving you site speed tips and setting up special deals with advertisers and so many other things. But yeah, that that's kind of the the long and short of it. Really, the only other thing that I would add is you're going to get paid more the longer an ad is in view. You know, that is a, a piece of the puzzle. Um, it's part of the reason that we lazy load is so that we're not loading ads that won't have any kind of view happening. And so think about that as you write your content, format your content, build your website, change a theme is when someone is reading this page on a phone, because that's the majority of where your audience is, how are they interacting with my ads? Um, and how long would they be interacting with my ads? Like in terms of, you know, is my content engaging enough to keep them on the page? And that's why we always encourage like write long, engaging mm -hmm. content, right? Like answer questions that people might have that they've asked in the comments and and things like that. Because 
not only does that stuff help your users and how they how they consume your page and what they get from it, it helps your SEO and it helps your ads. It helps your ads perform better because people are engaged with your content. So fantastic. We got a question from Michelle Palin. She she's going back to the the question I asked, which is how do ads make money or how do our publishers mm -hmm. make money from media? She said, I'm hoping you have been covering the would cover the basics a little bit. Like, is there a difference in earnings on an ad if the person clicks on it? Or on a video, does the person have to watch the whole ad for a publisher to earn? Do they earn differently when the uh, audience member is watching five seconds or the whole video ad? Brad, can you cover that? Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, I think I think advertisers are looking at uh, click-through rates and viewability on, on the ad unit level. So if, if they're seeing an ad like you know our, our desktop sticky sidebar unit that has fantastic viewability, um, and you know, is engaged with often by the audience. Um, they're gonna um, kind of mark that in your domain as um, a place where that happens. And yes, they they are gonna end up paying you a little bit more on average than somebody who say has uh, that same ad unit, but it's stuck way at the bottom of their post where nobody sees it. Uh, the video question. I'm honestly, I, I'm honest. That might be a Hockberger question. I don't know if I don't well, believe that here. they have to watch the whole ad for us to earn. I think emojiing, Eric, your time is now. I what, think once it renders, <laughs> they get paid. But I think I need Hockberger to. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see what he comes. Sure. What he comes in and says about that. Can you do a TLDR while we wait for Hockberger to Danis with some knowledge to drop knowledge bombs on our comments? What? What does header bidding mean? You said it means like real time bidding. What does that mean? So I like to compare it to like, uh, so we've all been to an auction, right? Where you go to uh, either whether it be like an eBay type auction or if you actually go into like a, an, an auction auction where there's Some people there and, and things Last like that. One. So I like to compare it to that where like in Q4, if you were to walk into this auction, there'd be a ton of bidders there, right? Um, and you'd know if you wanted something, you're just you're going to have to pay more for it because there's so many bidders there. Whereas in Q1, the room's going to be more empty, um, so there's going to be fewer bidders. But it's very similar to that. They're they're looking at the quality of your inventory, and uh, they're going to base their bids, what they're willing to pay for that inventory, um, uh, on that quality. And, and the the higher quality it is, the more they're going to pay. That is helpful. I like that. I like that. Um, but Q1 guys, like, I know what you get paid less, but don't feel bad. It's like a really, like, it's a classy auction. It's like an <laughs> art auction. Uh, so even though it's quieter, like, it's still, it's, we're keeping it classy at Q1, everyone. Don't worry. Okay. Eric did come in. Uh, mm -hmm. He said, as paid at start of play, if it's, if it's two seconds in screen, you're considered, quote, viewed. Uh, but they continue buying based on, quote, completion rate. So you want them to finish watching. Uh, so Michelle Palin says, you're paid more money if they click on it, more money if they watch the whole ad. So he just said, yes, you are paid uh, more based on completion rate. So you do want them to watch the whole ad. Do we have any any units, even video, anything where we're paid, where publishers are paid additional if people click on the ads, Brad? That's always been my understanding is yes. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that one either. I, I always assumed it was based more on averages. So um, if if your ad and the and the ad unit as a whole, if its click rate is 
higher, um, it increases its value in the marketplace. And, mm, and they're looking okay. at that sort of average click-through rate when it comes time to bid, um, just simply because historically it's saying that, um, you know, this ad's getting clicked more often, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my ad here. Um, and they're going to pay more to be there. Um, so I'm not sure if they get more if an ad is clicked, if they're going to get, you know, a CPM uh, or paid just, you know, a few pennies for that ad being seen plus, you know, whatever a bonus uh, for the ad being clicked. I don't think that's the case, but I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever heard the answer to that one fully. Eric said, yeah. same concept as completion rate. CTR means they keep coming back. Some advertisers like AdWords pay based on click. So it sounds like it depends. Our lawyer answer is that it depends. It depends. It depends. Uh, okay. Shout so out to JL. This last, uh, this last question is a big question. I kind of want to give some time to have some different variations on it and, and different mm -hmm. aspects of it to come forward. But when we're looking at ad revenue, and I know not everybody wants to do this. Some people just want to create their content and get paid what they get paid for ads. But some people want to dig in and do testing. And some people want to really dig into their dashboard and their settings and figure do A-B testing on what works with their mm -hmm. featured video, what doesn't. So what are some of the things that we want to track when we're actually tracking our success with our ad revenue? What are the important metrics to look at in the dashboard? What settings should we be experimenting with? Is it you know, the in-content mm -hmm. in ad density settings, the featured video, things like that. I want to talk a little bit about how we, because it seems like Q1 mm -hmm. might be a good time to do some tracking. I would actually say not to get overly hung up on the metrics. I think focus on optimizing your content and getting those teal health checks and the metrics will just sort of follow. Yeah. You know, take a look at your top posts and optimize those for anything else. If you're running, if you're writing a new post for, to, um, you know, grab some of that key one traffic, make sure it's fully optimized before you hit public. Um, you know, the worst thing that can happen is if you write a post in Q1 and all of a sudden someone grabs it and it goes viral and it's it's not optimized. So, no, it's not to say don't ever look at your RPM. Of course, look at it. Look for big drops and, you know, try to figure out um, either on your own or with the help of our support team why that drop happened. Right. Um, but, but pay more attention to, you know, the, the overall picture. Pay more attention to your health checks and your RPM right. or your RPM will follow. Part of the reason that we created the health checks was to get people focusing on the right things, right? Because people were getting lost in things like fill rate and, you know, click through rate and things like that. And it's like, fill rate is the wrong thing to focus mm -hmm. on because a hundred percent fill rate. We have a blog post on that, that, uh, Eric wrote years ago about Miley Cyrus, but that's page or, <laughs> you're right. That's page views, but it was, like the same time, but yeah, that's called hundred percent fill rate sucks. And the reason it does is that in order to reach that point, you have to basically give away sort of like the last 20 to 30% of your inventory for a fraction of what the 70% went for. And that will overall that lowers your RPM and your average CPM to just, <laughs> you've just sort of shot yourself in the foot by forcing that one, you know, that 100% fill, you're not going to make as much money as you think you will, which is why we don't focus on it. We focus on making sure the ones that do fill are paying you as much money as possible. But yeah, that's exactly why the health checks were created was to kind of get you focusing on making more content and making good content. And what we had found when we first started doing this was that people were focusing on these numbers because at the time we had the most detailed dashboard 
I would argue that we probably still do, mm -hmm. but um, we had the most detailed dashboard um, in terms of all these numbers. And so people would focus on them, be you know, be so focused on those things that they were wasting time trying to find out why they weren't reaching what they thought they should be instead of making more content and optimizing the content that they do have. Um, and so that is why we implemented those. So I'm going to let me say the question out loud so people know what we're talking yeah. about. And there's a couple questions ahead of that one. Yeah. So uh, that's all right. So uh, Sylvia Martinez said, would you please give some pointers about best practices for keywords and descriptions in the video player? Uh, you should think of them in the same way that you do SEO for your post and fill them out in the same way. So use the keyword that you're targeting. Um, use other keywords that are similar that you want to target. Um, write a good description that isn't just like, this is banana pudding. It tastes good. Don't do that. You know, write banana pudding uh -huh. made with, you know, vanilla wafers and bananas and vanilla pudding um, is easy and uh, is easy to make ahead, blah, 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 that kind of thing where it's very specific and describes what, what you're doing there will give the advertisers more to work with and will also give uh, the search engines more to work with. Perfect. Anything to add to that one, Brad? I don't. Again, that's an SEO question. I'm going okay. to defer to the SEO person in the I room. I mean, the, the ad buyer, <laughs> my understanding from Eric is that the ad buyers also use it. So the more that you can put there, like in terms of description, the better. That's, you know, that's from years ago. So Eric, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure that he will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thomas Williams said, I look at my teal every day. That is our main focus to stay teal at least 98% of the time. So in terms of going in there and worrying about uh, if we're going to, let's say one of our 2020 resolutions is to pay more attention to what's happening in our Mediavine dashboard, the main focus, the first focus should be on those health checks and making sure that those stay uh, in a good spot. Teal mm -hmm. is, is that what you, is that what you're saying, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the sites with the the highest health checks are going to earn the best in Q1 the same way they're they're going to earn, you know, higher in Q4. Right. So it's all relative. So right. absolutely always aim for those those health and, checks to be high. And part of the reason that we say this is a good time to go ahead and look at like what went viral or what had a lot of traffic last Q1 is there's the possibility that you didn't ever optimize those. And if you can catch them and optimize them before they start to get a lot of traffic again, you're not like, you're not missing out on those impressions. Whereas what typically happens if your health checks drop off is that a post that is not well optimized is suddenly getting a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's part of the reason that those are there is so that you can adjust the date range, look and see what's getting traffic. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's a post I wrote in 2008. A pin must have gone crazy for it. And now I need to go and optimize that so that I'm making the most possible money off of it. Aaron Rachel Staples said, I look at my dashboard every day. I'm all teal in the health check. Is there a way to give a health check per post or is it just per site? And that was kind of what you were talking about there. So what are the yeah. health check lights reflecting? They're reflecting for the first health check, the sidebar ad, it's how many times the, the sticky sidebar ad is refreshing in relation to how many impressions were loaded for the first sidebar ad, I believe it's still that way. And we want at least, I think Eric upped those, didn't he? So it's like two now, two or three. And then the mobile and desktop ones are how many impressions you're getting per session. And so what you what you can do is you can tell that the number of, of 
in content ads you're getting on a page view, if you take the number of your health check and divide it by your average pages per session, then you get the actual number of ads that are loading on an average page view. Um, and what we're looking for there is that people are staying engaged with your content long enough that you reach those goals. Yeah, I, I think just um, when you're writing a post and after it's published, go in and, and look at how many in-content ads are showing inside of that post. You know, uh, you, and then you want to aim for those numbers that are in the health check. So I think uh, Teal is, uh, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but I'm going to look at this amazing help article. I think it's four um, and eight. Yeah, you're correct. On desktop, it's four. And then on mobile, it's eight. So you want to go in and look at that as a live post and make sure there's at least four in content ads showing up on desktop and at least eight showing up on mobile. There's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, add a picture, uh, do a hard return, um, add a video in there um, to lengthen that content out. And, and get some more in-content ads in that space. Look at what other people are asking. Like if you do a Google search for this topic and and that little box comes up that says people also ask if you can add some of the content that answers those questions mm-hmm. to your post, um, that's a way to lengthen it and provide value as well. Eric also filled in a little bit there. He shared the Mediavine video details post in there. And he also said title, link, and keywords are used by advertisers. So those are the, the, the things they are paying attention to. Description is just used when we output schema.org, so for SEO. Perfect. So that's thank the you, distinction. Eric. Absolutely. Okay. Everyone's saying thank you. Uh, we're out of time. We're actually over we time. Uh, fast. I it, They do go fast, especially when I have two amazing Look at guests. That. Brad, it's like the Patronus. You've done it. So now you know you can do it again. Now I have to do it again. Yeah, uh, of course you have to do it. Again. I'll start. I'll start begging as soon as I get off this live. To, he to already, he's there. already mess- <laughs> private messaging. We've right already now. got him scheduled. I know I get to come on again. It. It's yeah. on right. like seventeen future lives. Um. So Dennis, Dennis just said, "Oh my God, that's what the numbers mean." We're so <laughs> glad to be able oh, to, to. Dennis, there's in. there's a link next to the health checks that tells you what they mean, my friend. So now he knows that that's mm-hmm. you can click the, when it's clickable, click it and see what happens. Uh, everyone's saying, thank you. Michelle Price says, keep going. Thank you, you guys. You have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, be in touch with us if you need anything. Please be kind to your uh, publisher support staff when your RPM drops. It is not <laughs> their fault. To happen. not do it. And they can't fix it with an easy button. To Brad and Amber, thank you. You guys have a great holiday season too. Thank you, Jenny. You as well. Happy holidays, everyone. On Air is brought to you by Mediavine. If you're creating amazing and original content, we are here to help. From ad management with maximum earnings and 24-7 support to cutting-edge WordPress plugins, our team has your back. Want free tips in your inbox? Subscribe to our newsletter at mediavine.com slash subscribe. If you're a Mediavine On Air fan, and why wouldn't you be? Please give us your five-star rating love and subscribe wherever you're listening.